0: As I uh, reflect on my study through Revelation, it's been tremendously helpful to me to see it in um, some some divisions where I see how John is telling this story. It's helped me to identify the number seven as I've seen seven churches, seven seals, seven angels, seven visions, seven trumpets, and even uh, uh, the seven bulls, that, that, that we would not necessarily, except for the literal seven churches, we would not necessarily uh, try to uh, discover a, a literal thread through there. We know that that's, that's symbolic, and, and seven then, and to understand the number seven as a complete number is, is is one of the keys to really understanding revelation. So when we get to a, a number like seven 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 or when Peter is told uh, by Jesus forgive your brother seventy times seven seven times ten times seven, that's an infinite number of forgiveness. And so the the number seven is a is a helpful key. So when we get to six six six, we know that it's seven minus one, seven minus one, seven minus one. That anything in triplicate is for emphasis. Holy, holy, holy. Uh, and, and so when he says six six six, it's the the triplicate of seven, but falling short. Even when we get to the judgment uh, that we will end with tonight uh, of Babylon, uh, there are, are six kingdoms that are pictured as have fallen already and a future kingdom to fall would make seven, leading to the sense of completion. And so the, the numerology, we, we don't want to get too far in the weeds with that. When we see one hundred and forty-four thousand, it means twelve times twelve, uh, a complete number of apostles, a complete number of tribes, uh, times each other, times a thousand, and there you you get a you you're not trying to find one hundred and forty-four thousand Jehovah's Witnesses that are going to make it, and nobody else is. You're looking, you you're saying that that represents the entirety of the church. The entirety of God's people; that that none will be uh, left out; that all will be protected with the certain conditions that are identified in Revelation, that we'll look at uh, a little bit tonight. So, what did we learn from the group of churches? Let's just go all the way back and do a little uh, a little review, uh, so that we'll set the stage for uh, what we're doing tonight. What, what do we learn about the seven churches? do some things okay yeah they, they they by and large they were doing a lot of things well and then there were things that were warnings and uh and the, the particular theme around the warnings was what idolatry idolatry and sexual, sexual <laughs> morality so especially at, uh, at at Ephesus and Laodicea he said these are the things and and we have seen that come up again and again as we have seen the the judgment cycle beginning in verse uh, chapter six and running all the way through 20 uh and the judgment cycle divided into two uh uh components the Christ cycle, uh, in uh, 6 through 11, and now the Dragon Cycle in 12 through 20. And and each of these packets or each of these components in the Revelation story, it, it makes it a lot easier for us to get our minds around it if we will kind of watch the movement. Okay, John introduced himself. He pronounced the doxology. He told us that he was uh, uh, writing down a vision from Jesus himself. And then he said, okay, there. this is who it's addressed to, the churches. And, and we said that the churches represented a circular path. And so there was a even a sense of, of a group around that. He, he didn't talk about churches in Palestine. He didn't talk about churches in Greece. He, he talked about Asia Minor, where there was a particular issue with idolatry, sexual immorality. And so that set the stage for him to say, well, we're moving the scene from earth to heaven and the throne scene of four and five. And we talked about the, the worship and and that that depending on how you interpret revelation, that if you are a especially if you are a futurist, and especially, especially, I'm at two out of three. I'll, I'll get to the superlative in a minute. <laughs> Especially, especially if you're a dispensationalist, and especially especially, especially if you love to try to figure out timelines as to when something's going to happen. and so the 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 futurists would say that the church is raptured between chapters four and five, between chapters three and four. And uh, they would also say that that most of the the events of the dragon cycle, are pointing to the 70 weeks of Daniel where he talked about the the restoration and and strongly implied the coming of the Messiah both the first time and the second time. So if you love the futurist approach, there's a lot in here for you. If you uh if you love uh thinking that if the millennial happens, that's fine. If it doesn't happen, that's fine. God's in control. If the rapture happens, God's in control. If, if he's going to leave me here for some tribulation, God's in control. And and if, so, so there's something in Revelation for everyone. And as I said Sunday, once you figure out how you lean, you tend to find what you're looking for. If you're a futurist, you're going to find futurists. Uh, tonight, uh, I, I read some by a historicist that said almost all of 17 and 18 have to do with Rome and Nero. 666, that's Nero. The, the the numerology associated with the letters in his name, there's one set of manuscripts that says that number is 616. And the Roman version of his name is Neron, and that is uh, grammatically 666. Nero, take off the end at the end at 616, and the only name that anybody could find out with it that matches both of those numbers. And so a historicist would say, oh, this is first century. Uh, only, only the 20 through 22, that's the future. Whereas the, uh, the, the pre-tribulation futurists is saying, no, he's describing some horrible things that are happening. Jim, this one's for you, and we're not going to be around for it. Because we're going to be raptured. We leave in our dirty old shoes in the closet. because We're not going to need them anymore. So I, I don't want to over-intellectualize Revelation because it's a it's a mystery. We We don't know. And, and especially those who love timelines, they think Jesus is coming back in the next hundred years. Because it was 2,000 years uh, between uh, creation and Abraham. It was 2,000 years between Abraham and Jesus. And it's 2,000 years between Jesus and now. And so uh, maybe, maybe not. What's it say in Acts 1 7? No one knows. None None of your business. business. Yeah. (laughs) So we left off last week having looked at the beginning of the judgment that's described in Revelation. No matter how you look at Revelation, it is absolute rock solid that it's about judgment. And it, it was that it's that that's on purpose. Right, the people were wondering when's Jesus coming back. I'm so tired of seeing the bad guys win. That's why some of us love the revenge Western movies. You know, you hurt my family, I'm going to wipe you all out. And 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 the the people in the first century were kind of going, we've waited now six decades, and we're ready for something to happen. And John received a vision from Jesus. And he said, "Yeah, judgment's coming. You're you're not wrong. Judgment's coming, but it's going to come in God's time, not our time." So we pick up. Uh, is there anything we still need to talk about with trumpets and scrolls? Or are we good? Um, I didn't do a very good job last week with chapter eleven. So, with your permission or without it, I'm going to pick up uh, there in chapter eleven. And uh, we're going to push through in the next 40 minutes, all the way to chapter 18. We're good. (laughs) So we start off um, where the end of chapter 10 is the the mandate for John that he must continue to prophesy. Got to keep preaching. What's the reason for preaching? This isn't a trick. Why do we preach? Spread the word. And why do we spread the word? That's what we're called do. What happens when we spread the word? <laughs> people get saved. <laughs> people, people experience God's mercy through the blood of Christ. If we got In Romans 10, he says, how will they know unless there's a preacher? How, how will they know? And so whether you believe in Calvinism or election or predestination, he told us to tell, so we tell. And we believe in free will, we we tell so that people can choose to follow Christ. And so into chapter 10, he said to John the Baptist, don't quit telling. Now, that's really interesting. Because if the rapture is the end of the story, there's no need to keep telling. If he's taking everybody away, who's going to be taken away? And he's going to judge everybody else. But as I said on Sunday, all through this, we keep seeing God's mercy. A third of the earth was killed, not two th- not all of it. A third of the vegetation, part of, half of, quarter of. So so the you put those two together, it, even if there has been a rapture of some sort, God's still got the door open for people. So he said, keep preaching. There's no need to keep preaching There's no possibility that somebody's going to go to heaven. So now we're introduced to a couple of witnesses. People have speculated about who they are. I'm not going to, um, but uh, they could be ordinary people. They could be famous people. All we know is that they are... Uh, uh being granted authority verse 3 to my witnesses and they will prophesy they going to keep preaching verse 6 they have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophecy verse 7 when they finish their testimony The beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street for three and a half days. Verse 11. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw dead man walking. And a voice from heaven said, come on up here. I won't be all right when I hear that voice and they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. So the witnesses are, are symbolic of the, the persecution that's going to come on those who continue to faithfully preach and prophesy and testify. So then the result, don't miss this, Um. Their enemies watched them. Verse 13, in that hour there was a great earthquake. A tenth of the city fell, 90% of it's left. Mercy. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So preach. Let God do what God does, let resurrection be what resurrection is. Their enemies perished. Uh, There were some that were saved. Uh, Then that's the interlude before the seventh trumpet. Talked about that on Sunday. So um, we uh, continue to be stunned that uh, uh, people uh, are not uh, responsive to the gospel. Now, verse 19 I need to talk about that, but please don't make me talk about it a lot. Well, before you go there, in 14, it says, the second woe has passed. Was that all of that which you just described? Mm -hmm. The first woe was described in uh, chapter 8. The silence in heaven, and then the trumpets, uh, the first angel, hail and fire. Second angel, great mountain burning. Third angel, star fell from heaven. That was the first woe. The second woe um, was uh, beginning in verse, uh, chapter 11. And then the third woe is still to come. Um, God's temple in heaven was opened. Um, In just a minute, we're going to see measurements of that temple. And uh, the fact that we're going to see measurements of the temple, that's what has led a lot of people. Hey, Joanne Stewart. That is so good. She's joined us online. We just finished praying for you. So, the temple, a lot of people believe that because. The scripture, and we're going to read it in just a little bit, but this is where it's introduced, says that the temple has to be desecrated to fulfill the prophecy of Daniel. The temple can't be desecrated if it's in heaven. So then God's temple in heaven was open. The Ark of the Covenant was seen. Flashes of lightning, rumbles, thunder, earthquake, heavy hail. In just a minute, we're going to see another temple is referenced. And the thought is, is that going to be a literal temple? Well, the Jews think so. Uh, When we were in Jerusalem, we saw a gigantic menorah that has already been fashioned to go in the temple. And when you hear the term, the third temple, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, the one that's still to come. And so a lot of people believe that's a literal temple because here in Revelation, measurements are given for it. Why are measurements given if it's a symbolic temple? Now, I don't have a a strong feeling either way with that. Uh, If God wants to do it that way, he can if God wants a temple to be built so that He can convince the Jews, uh when, when Jesus comes back, if the if the Jews are still uh in in the mix, they're going to think it's Messiah, we're gonna think it's Messiah. Uh, there will be uh incredible things. But let's move on to chapter 12. The woman and the dragon. Anybody got any side notes in your Bible already as to the identity of the woman? I okay, think the woman is Israel and dragon is Satan. We just saved a whole lot of time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the woman is portrayed. Uh, John does something interesting here is that he goes back. Uh, are, are any of you Marvel comic fans? Well, no. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, uh, the word origin story says, we're going to go back and tell you how Clark Kent became Superman. We're going to go back and tell you how Peter Parker became Spider-Man. And so John is doing an origin story. He's going back to the birth of Christ. If it feels like it's a Christmas story, it absolutely is. And so he's making sure we understand that Jesus came to Earth, God incarnates, by design, and he, he says what it is: a great sign appeared in heaven. And the word there for sign is is a great sign, not not just a, a tiny little mile marker, but a, a great sign. A woman clothed with a son, we know to be Israel, but, but if we're not careful, we're gonna think it's Mary, because it's clearly the mother of Christ. She was pregnant crying out in birth pains, and the agony of giving birth, and another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon. And so we have, uh, in, in this case, the dragon's um, uh, symbolic execution is through Herod. What did Herod try to do after Jesus was born? Yeah. Slaughter the yeah. innocents. The And so Uh, a great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns on his head, seven crowns. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, cast into the earth. There's not anything you need to read into that to my opinion. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. (laughs) So what's John telling us? How long has Satan been at work Trying to destroy the Christian witness. Seems he was cast out of heaven or fell from heaven. Certainly since the birth of Christ. Certainly all the way back to Daniel's time, certainly. But but we we tend to think that oh, this great battle with Satan and Michael and and Jesus and Armageddon and all that, that's all taken place. Satan has been active. Since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden, Satan has been active. And so here, he's trying to kill Jesus. He's using Herod as his instrument. So it's another one of those things. We find fulfillment in the first century. We find fulfillment from the beginning of time. And we will find fulfillment in the future. Was, is, will be. That's prophecy. It is foretelling, not forthcoming. It's a telling, not foretelling. If you think prophecy is all about prediction, uh, it's not. Yeah, Bill. In, in four horses, his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the to the earth. Is that falling fallen angel? Could be, uh, or it could be just the uh, the scary immensity of this dragon. He's red that's associated with bloodshed the, the red horse was bloodshed uh, and, and it's a dragon, it's Satan uh, he doesn't have the authority to sweep, you know, to cause souls to be lost uh, but I, I I wonder if it's just trying to, to frighten us with how enormous this is uh, but, uh, but the imagery is right uh, he is pictured um, as a star who fell from heaven um, several times alright so she gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron so there's a prophecy about the future Jesus didn't rule with a rod of iron when he was on earth but her, the, 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 her child was caught up to God in his throne the woman fled into the wilderness she was in a place prepared by God she was protected where did Mary and Joseph go? Egypt. Egypt. And so there's 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 things that we can find that were actual fulfillments, but we understand that there is a, a symbolism. So John is going back to say, "Hey, this imagery, this this graphic way crazy imagery, it it's, it doesn't start now. It has always been. And Jesus gave me that vision that even when he was a baby." There was war. There was warfare. Satan was trying to get the upper hand. So verse seven, now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels. Uh, I am not uh, sold one way or another as to whether Michael is a literal archangel. The Bible presents him as an angel. I read him as an angel. I don't have any reason otherwise but I don't have any problem uh, seeing that John's portrait of him is larger than life. And so he's a, he's a, he's a mighty angel. He's an archangel. He's a, he's a, a lieutenant of some kind. So the dragon and his angels fought back. Michael and his angels were fighting. Satan was defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. Dick, that may be, uh, the one of the depictions of Satan being cast out of heaven the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan he was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him and then the loud voice pronounced the victory uh, uh, now salvation and power the kingdom of our God and his authority have come for the accuser and here we go this is one of my favorite verses in Revelation And they, verse 11, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm -hmm. That's a good definition of discipleship, isn't it? That you live by the word of the the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That's what discipleship is. That's that's how we learn, we grow, we we try things, we uh, prophesy, we preach, we tell others. Other people are saved by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony. Uh, love it, and um, and he pronounces in twelve. Time is short, so the dragon pursued uh, the woman and the child. the The dragon has pursued Israel uh, since Israel was Israel. The dragon is pursuing Israel now. Um, servant uh, tried to flood her out. God protected her and the dragon became furious, verse 17. Um, Somebody read uh, 17 and tell me, or just tell me what you think it's talking about. Satan couldn't defeat Jesus, so who does he attack? Israel. The church. Yeah. And so that's one of those times when Israel represents not just the... Twelve tribes, but also those who have uh, been identified by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So the dragon couldn't get Jesus. And so he chases after us uh, all of those who keep the commandments of God and hold on to the testimony of Jesus. All right. Got right on through there, didn't we? Chapter 13. A beast rising out of the sea. It is best to take the two beasts, the one in thirteen one and the one in 13.11. It's best to look at them as uh, bookends or a match set. The, the beast, the first beast is powerful. Uh, that likely is uh, Satan expressed in empires. Likely, John had in mind here Rome, the Roman Empire. Uh, I personally believe that he's using Rome as an example. Does that mean I think this is historicist? It's first century only? Absolutely not. But the people who were reading this book, they they needed to understand the that the evil that was Rome, it really was evil in God's eyes as well. It wasn't just unfortunate that they were Jews and not Romans. It was evil against good. And so the beast, uh, I personally think that he identified previous empires in verse 2. The beast that I saw was like a a leopard. That's the uh, Greco-Macedonian Empire. Uh, A bear that was the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, The lion's mouth, the Babylonian, those three animals had represented those empires in times past with their, uh, you know, the Roman Empire was always an eagle. Uh, But uh, uh, in, in this language, he's talking about empires that have fallen. And so to these empires, see if this makes sense to you, the next verse, the dragon gave his power and authority. Satan said, I'm going to give power to empires and emperors and presidents and governors. And, and 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 I am by nature of those who can wield power over others. I'm going to make sure that the cliche will come true, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And in every empire, In every government, when somebody had totalitarian power, it was a corrupt, cruel regime. That is, was, is to come. And so he's describing uh, empires. So the beast is the representation of Satan expressed through uh, powerful governments, powerful empires. The uh, verse seven, it was allowed to make war on the saints, conquer them. Now that makes sense. Authority was given to it over every tribe and people and language and nation. Well, he he used that phrase uh, a couple of chapters ago to describe the great multitude that would be gathered unto himself. So he's saying during this time of suffering, these totalitarian, cruel Roman emperors, Kings, they will be given authority over uh, even those who are in Christ. He says, all who dwell on earth, verse 8, will worship it. And everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. At the end of that poem, he said, here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So the saints are still around for tribulation. Somebody is. Now, has God marked from the beginning of time who, who's going to receive him? He knows from the beginning of time who will respond to him. He knows from the beginning of time. God, God knows all things. So the second beast, I would probably call that a helper this Beast is not as powerful he he obviously is subject to the other one um I would say that that maybe this is like local government. <laughs> this is this is like the uh the the wealthy people in a town who would abuse their wealth and power uh this this is Supernatural yes there's there theres power ascribed to this Beast but not near the power of the other one. But this is where verse 17, um, no, verse 16, it causes all to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. Being marked on the head is a lot in Revelation. The, the, the faithful are marked, the unfaithful are marked, um, and I think there's a lot going on here, uh, but it, we, we the, the only one we hear about is the mark of the beast right? Well, there was a mark of the king. There was also a a mark of the lamb. And and so this idea of, of being identified with what team you're on was pretty prevalent throughout John's vision. And here, the little beast, or the second beast, the one that arose out of the earth, he is given power, and that power, he causes the mark of the beast to be on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark so economic cancelling he said this calls for wisdom let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of a man and his number is 666 or some manuscripts say 616 You probably figured out I'm not going to get into trying to figure out who this is because it doesn't matter to me. There's a question I wrote in my Bible that you should write in yours. Whose mark will you bear? Whose mark will you bear? Uh, they there, all through this. There seems to be. Uh, people who have refused the mark of peace, people who have uh, kept the faith. Uh, here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. There is a there is a lifestyle of, of faith in action response here. And so my my question is not who does it refer to, but no matter who it refers to. We're very clear that it refers to evil. And we're very clear that the lamb refers to the risen Christ. So am I gonna bear the mark of the lamb or am I gonna bear the mark of the little beast? All right? So chapter 14, oh, we're rolling. We have a reprise of sorts. The 144,000 are named again. And uh, uh, basically uh, read all the description, They've not defiled themselves. Verse 4 tells us who they are. They've been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the land. Now, the word first fruits is a little agricultural, right? And so the first fruits, in just a minute, we're going to talk about a harvest. And so in my Bible, I drew an arrow from that verse over to 14, but we're going to get there in a minute. First, we've got a, a little sermon time. One commentator said, if there's a sermon that's clear in Revelation, it's right here. You've got three points and a point. And uh, the points are all given by angels. The first angel, uh, verse six, uh, his message is about worship. The second angel, his message is about uh, sexual immorality and and the collective evil of a nation. The third angel, his uh, sermon, his his point is what we just said. Whose mark will you bear? He said, "If anyone worships the beast, receives a mark on his forehead or his hand." He will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength, no more a third of something, no more half of something. He will be poured with no mercy because he has staunchly refused mercy. Terrifying. We don't talk enough about the wrath of God. But these people desperately wanted to hear that God was serious about sin. And that's what John is saying. Verse 12, he repeats the call from 1310. He said, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Now, anybody make a mark on verse 13? You know, we collect things through Revelation. We collect trumpets and scrolls and stuff. We also collect Beatitudes. Anybody remember the first Beatitude of Revelation? Blessed are the uh, the, uh, chapter one. Blessed are the ones who read aloud the words of the prophecy. So the first Beatitude in Revelation was chapter 1, verse 3. The second beatitude in Revelation is 14, 13. Then we're going to find them in 16, 19, 20, and 22. But uh, just as a note, that's the second blessing that's pronounced. And so he says, blessed indeed, says the Spirit. They are blessed because they can rest from their labors. So he's saying at some level, Jim Bowler, we will be delivered from this nonsense, but we're not promised that we will be exempt from suffering. There's two harvests that are mentioned. There's a good harvest and a bad harvest. I believe now we're talking about the second coming. I think we're, we're, we've, we're, we're talking about the other end of the tribulation. Now, again, John doesn't write in linear fashion, right? He doesn't say this, then this, then this, then this. He cycles. And so the the trumpets were a, a second cycle of the scrolls and the, the bowls are a third cycle. That there's There's different expressions of the same truth. Here he's talking about the last day, the day of the Lord. I looked and behold, a white cloud seated on the cloud, one like the son of man. That could be nobody but Jesus, a sharp sickle in his hand. And then another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice who sat in the cloud, put in your sickle and reap. The hour has come. So they reaped. They, they swung the sickle. Verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple. And he too had a sharp sickle. And then another one. And the one who has authority over the fire, he called out, put your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth for its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle across the earth, gathered the grape harvest of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So we have two different harvests. Consistent with what he's been talking about throughout, uh, the, the the whole the dragon is compared to the child, and the, uh, Israel is compared to Satan, and and the angels are compared to each other. And now there's a good harvest. The the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Back to uh, verse uh, four and fourteen. Those who have been redeemed are the first fruits. They will be harvested. That may be the rapture. The people who believe that the rapture takes place at the end of the tribulation, uh, but before the second coming, that's what they point to, that there's a harvest. But the other angel, that's a bad harvest. Now, you, you think everything's the same because he talks about grapes and they're ripe. Grapes are good. Grapes are good. Oh, wait a minute. The wine press was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the wine press. So this is a this is a harvest that's not a pleasant harvest. And then uh, these are these are judgments. Verse chapter fifteen. I think we're going to make it. We talked about the plagues, the seven plagues. Uh, we talked about the security of the the 144,000 and those who were represented. Verse two, uh, I saw a sea of glass and those who had conquered the beast and the image and the number. Uh, they were standing beside the sea with harps of God. and They sang the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Anybody want to guess the significance there? And it's right there. Grab on. What's the significance of those two songs? Oh gosh! Now you called my name. My mind is <laughs> like. <let me blame. laughs> what do you see there? What does Moses represent? The first prophet and the first deliverer. Colonel. Uh, Abraham was the first covenant, but Moses was the Ten Commandments. He he represents the law. So he's pulling the law and grace together. The song of Moses, the song of the Lamb. He's saying, I'm I'm my, my will, my scroll has been complete from the beginning. And now I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pulling together the old and the new. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, the God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. King of nations, we will not fear. We'll glorify your name. You alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship you. Your righteous acts have been revealed. And now come the seven angels with the seven plagues, which are the seven bowls of God's wrath. I talked about them last week. Uh, they are named and they are not cryptic. So you see that the uh, first angel poured out his bowl and sores came. The second angel, uh, every living thing in the sea died. No longer thirds, but everything. The third angel poured his into the rivers. They became blood. Uh, fourth angel uh, darkened the sun, uh, allowed it to be uh, scorching. Verse uh, nine, they did not repent, did not give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Uh, They did not repent. Sixth angel, uh, the water uh, dried up. There's no interlude here. We get the seventh right away. The seventh angel poured his bowl into the air and a loud voice from heaven said, it is done. That is the full wrath of God. And they still wouldn't repent. But he still gave them a chance. He's pouring out his wrath. And he's still listening for the cry of one who will call his name. But verse uh, 9, they didn't repent. Verse 11, they didn't repent. Um, And so the great uh, battle is presented verse 19 the great city was split into three parts the cities of the nations fell and god remembered babylon the great and again i believe this that uh, that john was cryptically referring to rome uh if he uh if he got caught talking about rome uh he would be writing no more and so it, i mean when you say that the city of seven hills what else can that be right and so he's talking about Uh, Rome and then he gets a little more confident um, and he calls her a prostitute so he calls the Roman Empire a prostitute verse 7 chapter 17 verse 1 then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls said come I'll show you the judgment of the great prostitute now the the bells ring telling me it's time to quit but I'm not going to (laughs) Why would that be important for us to know that God judged the Roman Empire? We're about to we're about to find out why he judged that empire, but what does that have to do with us? The culture of the time that was It's a culture persecuting of the, the every time that persecutes the Jews, the weak, the slave. Um see that in a minute, but but we should know that we don't get to be that guy that sits in church when the preacher's reaming somebody out and go, you tell a preacher. <laughs> because we're all we're all here. There's judgment. That's what this cycle is about. And he goes back, uh, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. And there, he's not talking about literal sexual immorality. He's basically saying that the that all of the kings of the earth have gotten in bed with Rome, That so, there there's nobody that's really standing up. Total party, yeah, uh, he exactly. also says, Although uh, Rome is the power, Rome is not as power doesn't have the power of God, right? He has to fall rome has to fall on the god's judgment right and, and we god's already judgment. saw that, that, that the dragon gave power to rome right the dragon had the authority for a brief period of time to designate power on earth and he designated it to this empire uh, and the persian empire and the assyrian empire and the, the egyptian empire and America and the European Union and the League of Nations and and go on and on. When there is power concentrated and the people who wield that power do not wield it with the grace and mercy and wisdom of God, there will be abuse. And that's what he's talking about. That's the prostitute. It's was, is, will be. So he talks about her as a woman. She's arrayed. Uh, she's Babylon the Great. She's the mother of all the prostitutes. Uh, the the she they John marvelled greatly. The angel said, "Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman, the empire, and of the beast." Maybe that's the leader of the empire. Nero, Domitian, Caligula. But here we have it again. The beast that you saw was, but he's not. He's about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will marvel to see the beast because it was not and is to come this call for a mind of wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains, seven hills, seven hills. Where are we exactly? chapter 17, so, so verse 9. nine, nine, nine. nine. Just ask me, We're moving now. So, as for the beast, verse 11, that was and is not, it is an eighth, but belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. Uh, It claims to be more than perfect, but it's not. It belongs to the seven. The ten horns are ten kings. Um, Then they will make war on the lamb, verse 14. The lamb will conquer him, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those with him are called chosen and faithful. So. Uh, many people believe this is the uh, the second coming, that Jesus uh, returns with his army, the church. And the angel said, the waters you see where the prostitute was seated, all of that's going to be going away. Um, verse 1 of chapter 18. I saw another angel coming from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Anybody remember your uh, world history? When did the Roman Empire fall? About 380, somewhere there. end of 300, 395 to 450, somewhere in there, the Goths swept down Basically, the Ottoman Empire began to uh, impress itself and Rome, uh, having been in decay for a very long time. Because of the corruption of its leaders, uh, because of some things I'm going to read about in just a second. And here's why she became a dwelling place for demons. A haunt for unclean spirits. All nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality. The kings have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her living. Anybody remember the first architect of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation? Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When he died. They said he was worth $300 billion. And he lived in a tent? (laughs) He wanted you to think he lived in a tent. Uh, Abbas, who replaced him, hundreds of billions of dollars is what his net worth is. Most of the leaders of Hamas live in Qatar, and they're worth billions. So and how did, well aid money. Just, I just wondered how Hamas, you know, the Gaza, the Palestinian, how they were able, they were how they got took, got power. Money. Oil. Oil. Humanitarian aid that obviously never got to the people. But but the, the prophecy is here. They they've grown power. They've grown uh, uh, rich from the power of luxurious living. Then uh, the voice of heaven, the plagues are coming on you for this reason. Verse 8, all the plagues will come. Verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality with her. And one author named six empires Old Babylon, Assyrian, New Babylon, Medo-Persian, Greco-Macedonian, Rome, that's six. The seventh is representative of all of the evil that that just extends this way of living. For in a single hour, your judgment has come. And now we get more specific. The merchants of the earth, verse 11, they they weep and mourn because nobody's going to buy their stuff anymore. And we get down to the very end. We list all of the goods. But look at the last line. And sheep and horses and chariots and slaves. That is human souls or lives. Some of your translations say bodies. Humans being sold as slaves. So we, at the time, a third of the population of Rome was slaves and uh, to be real honest with you the slavery of rome is the justification that many use today to say that the homosexuality in the bible is different than the homosexuality of today that in rome paul wrote to the romans romans 1 gave them over to their own degraded uh, passions that 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 homosexuality in Rome was coercive, slaves. They, they, they weren't referring to, to gay men who lived in a, a monogamous relationship. They were referring to the abuse of slaves for sexual pleasure. And so the people today that would say homosexuality is not the same today as it was back then, they they, they are taking a, a, a Roman practice and co-opting that to water down God's word to make it say what it doesn't say at all Paul was very clear he said you men have exchanged the function of men with men and women with women he he wouldn't talk about slavery but this is this is saying you've abused people a third of the empire are slaves and verse 19 they threw dust on their heads they wept they mourned They cried out, for God, verse 20, has given judgment for you against her. Verse 21, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence. And beginning in 395 AD, it absolutely was. Still 300 years ahead of John writing this, so he prophesied the end of the Roman Empire, but don't let it be relegated to Rome, because he's not going to let us do that. He's going to tell us that it's every every empire that will ever be. What was the Ottoman, the, or Constantine? 300 AD, 30, yeah. Constantine was, I guess, the last emperor of Rome. And he was a Byzantine, <laughs> yeah. but his mom really helped us out. You. Yeah. She's responsible for the identification of most of the holy sites in Israel. The yes. Holy Sepulchre of Golgotha, um, Church of the Nativity, Ellen, his mom. <laughs> All righty. Sunday, we'll try to make sense of this into a more practical version. But uh, I absolutely appreciate you guys wading through uh, Revelation with me. I'm learning a lot as I study. And um, if you have questions, I'm glad to answer them the best I can. On Sunday, we will uh, we will talk about this, uh, this movement and what it says to us uh, the the key is that favorite verse of mine by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony they're sealed and the very last verse of chapter 18 and in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints who had been slain on the earth so we're not promised that we're going to escape suffering but we're promised that we will be run through it alright good night everybody